0: Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello, and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we're delighted to be joined by the brilliant Steve Lamac, who is here to talk to us about the upcoming Independent Venue Week, which turns 10 years old this year and runs from Monday, January the 30th, to Friday the 3rd of February. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you, and whereabouts are you joining us from? Uh,
1: I'm in my office. Well, what used to be the front room of uh, our house in South London, uh, but it's now it's now become our office. And yeah, well, yeah, very good. Uh, mustn't grumble, they've been out, seen a couple of geeks, and Colts United have won four of their last five after a disastrous first half of the season. So, yeah. Oh nice. we go.
0: Well, yeah. I'm a Spurs fan, and we're experiencing the very reverse fortunes of that at the moment, so uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it all, yeah. su- all goes around in cycles. Yeah, it does, particularly with us. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this week is uh, Independent Venue Week. Um, uh, well, no, sorry, not this week. Uh, coming up at the end of the month is Independent Venue Week, and it's the uh, the 10th anniversary of, uh, of, of this campaign. I, I was wondering if you could tell, you know, for anyone that hasn't uh, heard of it before or is, isn't familiar with Independent Venue Week, could you just briefly give us a bit of a background on how this initiative came into being and then a little bit about what people can expect from it this year
1: well yeah I mean it started um as you say 10 years ago I mean the initial thought behind it and Sybil Bell who uh, launched it and has driven it through the past decade obviously identified that one of the key and crucial parts of the year for independent venues is that point after Christmas where um, there's less artists uh, touring and there's less money in people's pockets. So um, it's the point where venues struggle financially, not that you know a lot of them will struggle throughout the year, but it's, it's particularly hard, I think, post-Christmas. For anyone in the in hospitality to uh, to make a, a you know make much money, um, but particularly for uh, live music venues, So say for all these reasons, you know, gigs a lot of tours don't really start till February March, uh, and so um, it was felt that it would be good to try and create an event which got people out um, to their local venues. Um, at the start of the year and that's, that's how independent venue week was born. Um, it was very small for the first year or so, but, uh, you know, now it's, there's around 300 venues taking part and there'll be gigs all around the country, local artists and well-known names who are out touring. And so there's a, there's a lot to see. Um, whether it's stuff that you might know, whether you just fancy, you know, popping, popping out down the roads and having a look at, you know, somebody, a local artist who might. half good you never know but it's it all it's a good it's a good night it will be a good night out there's a lot going on yeah fantastic and and what will you be doing this year uh to, to mark independent venue week so we've set up five gigs once again um obviously it's been difficult last year we 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 put on we staged five gigs but we had, we could only actually go to one of them so we had to cover the tour from base camp in london but we're back out on the road this year um and we will be uh, traveling around the country in our um six music tea time tour bus uh, which we will be uh, working and sleeping on <laughs> through the course uh, of the week. Uh, so, we're building a studio, usually at the back, upstairs at the back of a tour bus. Um, and I'm sure people know, you know, those sort of mega buses, the double deck sort of proper band touring buses, usually the top at the back. Um, that's usually a sort of communal area uh, where uh, it's either upstairs or downstairs where you'll find, you know, a bit with seats and a a table and stuff. Um, I think ours is, I can't remember this, this year's is upstairs or downstairs. I think it might be downstairs. Uh, So we've taken uh, some of the tables and the furniture out and we're building a studio in the bus so we can do the show on the bus from wherever the bus is parked near the venue where our gig is taking place that night. So I suspect, for example, we're starting at um, the music hall in Ramsgate. Now I know having been there before, there's a massive car park, just buy it. So I imagine our tour bus will be parked by the recycling bins in the car park. And that's just the first of the many glamorous locations (laughs) we'll be bringing you the show from. Oh, it sounds brilliant.
0: (laughs) Um, I mean, are there any particular performances you're uh, looking forward to this year? Because I know there are some... There's some great artists taking part in it this year. I know uh, the Suede, Young Fathers, uh, Sprints, The Murder Capital, I think, uh, uh, performing as well. Are there any
1: uh, you're especially excited about seeing this year? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're all good in different ways. I mean, I think this is one of the things that I really enjoy about live music is, you know, it's it's is the variety. I mean, even if you went to see the same band in five different places, all those geeks are gonna be different for because the audience will be different. The 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 feel in the room will be different. But we get to see uh this week, I mean starting off with sprints so are just, you know, a really incendiary kind of guitar bands, um, from Dublin, but in a very tiny room, because uh, we start at Ramsgate, which has got 100 capacity, I think, and that's going to be, I mean, that's that's going to be, frankly, bonkers. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be, you know, really loud and exciting. Um, and then on to see Grove in Birmingham, with the Hare and Hounds, which I haven't been to before, but that will be really interesting in a different way. And then Young Fathers, as you say, uh, are playing for us, and they're at Norwich Arts Centre, which I haven't been to for many, many a year. Um, but I think they chose that venue because they've played it before and they said it was one of the best atmospheres of any gig that they've ever done. So right. Um, i think that should be that should be really good and as you say then onwards we go murder capital who've just released the new album and then suede at um the tiny stereo in glasgow where the ticket sold out in three minutes i believe wow. uh although some people say <laughs> it was less um <laughs> but that's great and you know then and, and i think you know it's interesting that Suede have done this a couple of times in the run-up to the release of their current album auto fiction but have really enjoyed going back and playing in front of smaller audiences in smaller rooms, you know, so uh, I think that that excitement of playing at this level in venues, you know, of less than five hundred people in some cases even smaller than that. That excitement never leaves a band, I don't think, as much as it just becomes impractical for bands to do to do tiny little gigs like this. Um so um yeah Sway bless them jumped at the chance uh, of coming and doing a tiny you know a little gig because they're you know I, I think there is something which it brings them back to their roots and there is there is a different type of adrenaline i think involved in playing in playing in front of 300 people than there is playing in front of 3000
0: yeah i mean i think particularly Suede's being a great example of that with their with their latest record because it is such a uh, it almost feels like a a debut record in some ways that one it's mm. so full of energy it almost feels like a live album and and i think <laughs> a small venue like that seems like such a perfect setting For this record in particular, because you know the last few albums they made as well were, I thought were fantastic, but they they were very cinematic and they were quite big and you know they were quite grandiose in some ways. Whereas this one feels like a very stripped back, raw, Mm. you know, rock and roll record. So I can imagine it. You know, it it, it'll be fantastic to see them at a you know little three hundred.
1: Yeah, it's a much more as you say. It's a much more direct record, I think, and suits will certainly, I think. You know, suit um, suit the room. So it suits smaller rooms, but yeah, I think it's just got something. The connection is uh, more, yeah, more more easily direct. Um, I think that'll be a that'll be a really good night. Um, uh, yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> yeah. I just I'm, even now, I'm just I'm just thinking how, how you know. Obviously, it's going to be really really busy, <laughs> and uh, even now, I'm thinking. Where am I going to stand? Where am I going to stand so I can I can see without getting my front teeth knocked out? Where am I going to stand anyway? Yeah, we'll cross no, that bridge, as they say.
0: Yeah, no, it'll it'll be fantastic, I am sure. Um, and you know, again, just on the on the subjects of Independent Venue Week and and the ten years that it's been going, how much of a staple has this become? for independent venues like you said it's become you know from when it started out as a really you know well comparatively a very small event Mm. it's grown into something a lot bigger do you think this is something that has really grown into you know an important sort of week on the calendar for a lot of these venues do you you see more and more trying to get involved
1: every year yeah i I mean I, i think the it's important you know it's it's obviously something that um venues can rely on and um a lot of venues like being involved with it but it's now also the rest of the industry obviously are writing it into some of their plans now so um this year as well as our tour philip selway from radiohead is out on a tour there's lots of other artists who've decided they'll go do a short run of gigs uh, around this week um because um they would also like to support the the venues but i think yes for the for the venues um it gives it's a peg to try and you know hang um some publicity around because the one thing which venues i mean all everyone I mean everyone has to think about this these days but venues particularly have got to keep thinking about bringing in uh, new audiences and you know this is one of the ways of you know putting a spin on come to your local venue because there's a Thing going on and the thing is really interesting and it creates just that little bit more of excitement around uh around some gigs i think which makes it more maybe more attractive for people to go out and i think that's what everyone's trying because it's different i mean obviously it's really difficult more than ever this year it's it's going to be it's it's going to be hard selling tickets this year across the year um, not just at the start of the year because of, you know, for various factors. And it's going to be hard for venues dealing with. You know the increased energy bills, and uh, in a lot of cases, increased rents and rates and everything. So this is—it's going to be a hard year for independent venues, for grassroots venues. So this is—it's really important to give them a good start, I think, and to try and—you know—try and attract people out as much as we can in this—you know—for for this event at the start of the year. Yeah, absolutely.
0: absolutely. Uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about some of your sort of earliest experiences going to to, to sort of ind- independent grassroots venues when you were mm. when you were growing up and and how you know pivotal perhaps they were in sort of igniting the your sort, your passion for music and for live music in particular were there, were there any sort of local venues to you that were like a real staple of your you know childhood or youth that that really you know I don't know played some sort of part in directing you into music as a, as a calling, mm. you know, how, how pivotal were they
1: for you? And do you have any like specific I mean, really, examples? I mean, I mean th- really though, everything, uh, really, I mean, when I was, uh, living at home, before leaving home, there was uh, – I used to quite regularly go to the, the YMCA in Chelmsford, um, and uh, there would be – there's the art centre in Colchester or wherever else. Little gigs used to spring up in little places around Colchester. The art centre, obviously, is, is, is still there. And then moving to Harlow for college, then we had the Harlow Square, and the Harlow Square, I still maintain, helped define me as a person, not just – it didn't just inform me about – music uh and was a great place to you know run a fanzine from because there's lots of people to talk to and lots of people with energy and ideas and encouragement but you know i learned um, so much more about just about politics and literature and film and uh and all sorts of stuff because of this stunning array of people who used to knock around there um either you know just you know in the bar before a gig or just watching some of the some of the local artists, what they were doing, or bands coming through, you know, whether it's Billy Bragg or you know the Mega City Four or somebody like that. All these, it was, it was just a great creative environment, and I think, um and I think that helped shape how, yeah, how I, how I looked at not just music, but you know, your interaction with people really I, I think it was a great place for communicators and creatives to go and just share ideas and stuff and it was yeah it was fantastic and um yeah i, I mean I, I wouldn't be who i am or where i am had it not been for the square in harlow yeah it's it's fascinating you know i know that you've you've spoken about the square
0: you know a lot cause, you know there was it was very sadly uh torn down a few years ago but um yeah i, I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the square, anyway, because that was my local venue growing up as well. Mm. Um, and it was such a—it was one of those places that I think, you know, as a teenager, almost took for granted, which I think every town should have. You know, kids should be able to. You know, it should be there for that reason. You know, we just used to go there all the time, whether it was like playing in your own bands and like cutting your teeth, mm. that or just going kind to of watch your friends play. And then sometimes, yeah, you'd get really great bands sort of passing through there as well. It was such a such an important place, and I think it. Sometimes
1: it's not until they've gone you you really appreciate that. Um, and, uh, well, I mean, you know, on every on every level, if you look at it, wasn't just the bands you know that came through that place you know that went on to have a measure of success like somebody like collapse lung um but it's also the people who work there i mean you, you have to think with every um with every grassroots venue probably comes the opportunities for people to learn how to do uh sound mixing how to do lights you know how to do all sorts of things um chris fallon who was one of the regular sound guys at harlow square went on to be a pretty good reggae producer you know there's there's so much which came through there uh, that I think is really important and and what happens when it's when it 's gone when there's nowhere to go that uh, as far as I know there isn't really there isn't the energy in a, a music scene in Harlow now that there was because there was access to a stage um obviously you know people have tried to keep you know the spirit of the square alive but you need a building and a place for people to congregate for things to start happening really and I think it's really Really sad that um, you know some various people who want to go back, local artists who have come through, want to go back and play. Have got nowhere really to 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 play. But it did so much that place, even with its you know its rock schools and all the things it did. I think I I think I'm right in saying even George Ezra came through one of the rock schools at Harlow College, and you you just think that now. There you go. If you want to, if you want to find a reason for calling on the bigger guns in the music industry to help out this year, then surely that's it. Because you know, at a time when the record industry is making you know record profits, um, do do we have to at some point say, well, you wouldn't have a lot of these artists if it wasn't for these small venues, and if these small venues go, then the you know that pipeline is cut off so don't you think it's a good idea to come and start helping out you know yeah it it seems
0: you know it it almost seems impossible but i think there's a there's clearly a disconnect between you know what the kind of upper echelons of the music industry if you like and the grassroots independent venue Mm. scene do you do you think there's there's almost like a it's a conscious decision not to help out at, at this level, or is it just like a, the, the, do you think the message still isn't quite clear that without these places, there isn't really a music industry?
1: Yeah. I don't know whether it's, it's going to take someone to blink first. I don't know whether, you know, that they're just, I think on the one hand, I think they know where a lot of these artists come from, but they no one's, no one at this stage has put two and two together and thought, all oh, right. So if, so if they go, if all these venues shut, then what happens next? And it's not necessarily even the record labels. Where do the big live promoters get their next wave of talent from? Because you can't go straight from a rehearsal room to playing at uh, the O2 Arena. You know, there has to be places in between. Um, it's just a case of, you know, can you persuade people to let go of some of their profits? For the good in the long term of everyone, um, I mean, I would. You know, I, I always suggest, <laughs> tongue in cheek, that any that we should have a system where any artist who's done one of those tours of the grassroots venues, as soon as they get to um, the O2 Arena or Wembley Arena, there there should be a surcharge of twenty five fifty p. Well, not a surcharge, maybe, but just twenty five or. Th- say 50p from uh, their profits at those big gigs should go into a central fund to then help out the venues which help launch their career and that's their payback yeah it'd be it'd be lovely to see something like that happen i think wouldn't it, wouldn't it? you Would, just uh... you just just we just need someone yeah we just need this year some people to actually go okay i will give you some money Um, I think maybe that may come down to various live music organizations saying we will show you how we will spend this money. Uh, we're not just going to fritter this away. There will be a you know, what we're going to do is this. Um, because it won't even be a huge, it wouldn't even be a huge amount of money. Some venues, you know, would would, could easily survive uh, and keep the doors open if you gave them 10 grand, but um, uh, to get them through this, you know, this year, but but yeah, I think um i think what will happen unfortunately what, I, what I hopefully this is what i hope won't happen but the wake you're waiting for some of these people i think are waiting for a wake up call now if 10 venues shut in the next month then i think that's a wake up call yeah uh, hopefully enough for people at the top to start thinking oh you weren't joking um this really is happening yeah um, what obviously the challenge is to Persuade them to get involved before the doors start closing all over the country.
0: Yeah, I mean, how how big a year do you think this is in that regard? Because I know that you know these sorts of venues have faced challenges for you know for several years. This isn't a, a new thing, but you know, off the back of COVID and now with the cost of living crisis and the energy bills and all this kind of stuff, does this feel like a real, you know, a, a legitimately you know make or
1: break year for a lot of venues? Yeah. I do. I absolutely do. I mean, I think, uh, I think we thought COVID was, you know, and the, the lockdowns would be bad. And certainly I, I worried at that point. Um, fortunately there was some, obviously some money coming through from, um, various arts organizations and the government support schemes and everything got a lot of people through that. I think we only lost, I don't know, you know, four or five venues maybe. Um, and I think that's made some people think, well, it's, it's indestructible, the live music circuit. Then, if it can survive COVID, it can survive anything. But that's, I mean, that was naught to where we are now uh, with venues obviously opening their doors. But, you know, the the energy price increase for some of the venues, I think on average, um, the Music Venue Trust are saying that it's within, it's somewhere in the region of a 300% rise in energy costs, which they're going to face this year. And there's to so say because of the cost of living, rents are going up, um, leases are you know coming to coming to an end and will be renewed for um, obviously bigger sums and promoters won't be able to afford them. I really think this is this is the year and I think a lot of places will close unless we get involved. But genuinely, and I've re- I hate to say this, but I think you know we could be facing a, a wave of venue closes around the country, which, These places will never open again. Yeah, that's the real problem. That's the real problem, and we will have the hollowing out of town centres because you know if a venue shuts in a town centre, there's no way it will get back in there for all sorts of reasons. And I think that really takes away part of the soul of a town. So, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to sound. too negative because obviously we can still do something about this, but I think it's really important to make people very uh, aware that yeah this this is this is the worst time I think um for live music at this level that I have ever known.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's uh, like you said, you don't don't want to be too negative about it, but it's it is the fact of the matter, isn't it? It's a it's a very challenging time, but mm. yeah, hopefully hopefully there's a way you know a way around it for a lot of these venues and things like independent venue week hopefully will at least provide a bit of a positive start to the year for some of these venues and
1: yeah that's that's the thing that's what we hope if we can um if we can excite people and artists you know uh artists um have a great time playing these gigs and want to come back uh let's hope that's that's you know start of the start of the fight back yeah
0: absolutely and um just away from the live music side of things, I just wanted to ask if there's anything so far this year, uh, any releases or any records this year that have uh, caught your attention so far or any uh, upcoming releases that you're uh,
1: particularly looking forward to in 2023? Yes, it's all uh, Gretel Henline uh, this year is one of my high hopes. Um, Go Express, I think, hopefully will do well because um, there's a band who just look like they're having so much fun they just look like they're having a great time on stage. I do like a band who, um, well, obviously a band I like a band who looks, you know, quite cool. But also, I, I really love a band <laughs> who are just smiling yeah. on stage. Like they look like they're having a good time. And uh the few occasions I've seen Go Express, they, they they they've got that, and they've got some, you know, nice. Pop tunes, just um, done a deal, you know, via Communion Records. I think I think they'll make a really good album. Uh, the Gretel Henline EP, the next EP. I've only heard two tracks from it, but that's I think that's really good. I think she's got a really interesting, distinctive voice, and she's got a great temperament. She's, you know, she's got a good sense of humour. I think she's quite self deprecating, but she's got um, uh, uh, underneath that she, she's quite. I think confidence maybe is not quite the right word, but she she knows what she's, she knows what she's doing. Um, and she's good. Yeah. I just, I think all round, um, I, I think she's got something. She's really got something. Yeah. Fantastic. Well,
0: thank you so much for joining us again, Steve. It's uh, a pleasure as always chatting to you. And, um, Wish you all the best with Independent Venue Week. Um, and uh, just to go over those dates again, it kicks off on the 30th of January through to the 3rd of February. Yeah,
1: that's that's great, right. We'll be, uh, <laughs> yeah, we will be in Ramsgate, Birmingham, Norwich, Stockton and Glasgow on the Friday. Fantastic. Well,
0: it sounds like it will be a brilliant week. Um, and uh, yeah, as I say, we wish you all the best with it. And uh, thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks, mate.